Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford and Rory O'Neill with you as always. And we are delighted to be joined by former president of the GAA, Liam O'Neill. He's joining us um, primarily to discuss the um, mooted or the reheated and uh, new fresh hopes for the integration of the GAA, the LGFA, Camogie Association, Rounders and Handball, all a lot of them. But obviously it's the um, the, the female uh, Gaelic Games Associations and the GAA who are have for some time been looked at as perfect bedfellows, but um, haven't been thus far. And I think, Liam, um, we're getting you on because you probably tried as hard as anybody to square this circle. So first of all, how are you doing this afternoon, Liam? Great. Thank you very much. Delighted to be with you. Um, we're delighted to have you, Liam. You, um, you, were, you were very honest at the end of your, uh, of your tenure. You said your biggest regret was the fact that you couldn't get further down the road with integration. I don't know whether you thought you could complete it in your in, in your term or at least kind of get the ball moving. Um, I suppose it'd be good to hear from you now before we get into the present. I guess, uh, how hard did you try? What what was the what form did your integration process take? And, and where did it come? A, where did it come a cropper? OK, well, it started out um, from the fairness of it, I suppose, and the possibilities for the GA Gaelic Games family, I suppose, really in the possible in in the unified uh, system that we wished for at that stage, um, we discussed it at Central Council. Um, we were given permission to go and talk to the other bodies. We already had handball in under our wing. Um, uh, it's not a separate organization. It's, it's been always under the wing of um, the GEA. So, and we had the World Championships in Dublin and there were difficulties with handball financially at that time. And we solved those and handball is happily in, in the GEA. Uh, although not directly reporting Central Council, but they are and always were part of the GEA. Rounders is slightly different. It's kind of the poor relation, probably the most inclusive of our six sports in the sense that anybody can play it and most of us have in our childhood at some stage played rounders and um, I did a bit of work on developing that we bought a thousand bats because you can't play rounders without a bat and uh, we suggested that I suggested to the council and to rounders that every time I go to a field no matter where and I visited a good few fields in my tenure as <laughs> on, um, there are always children left out and I thought what about rounders why wouldn't we promote that and why wouldn't we do something to include them? So that was that. So get back to the main issue then. Um, I grew up in a family of 12. Uh, I had seven sisters. Um, I was born 55, so that's a matter of public record, so don't mind admitting that. But during the 60s, there was nothing for girls, absolutely nothing. And I felt awful. They played with me. Uh, I had three sisters above me, by the way, and three below me. So I was nicely sandwiched in the group of seven sisters, uh, uh, with the group of seven sisters, but there was nothing. And I always felt guilty that the lads could go off to matches, go to the field, do things, and the girls were left out. Um, because Camogie was very, very weak in leash at that time. Ladies football hadn't really been recognised. So it struck me as 
odd that we would be separate because if you were designing the GEA right now, you would design a united organization. There's no rocket science to that. It has in fact been done in Europe that it is a united single organization. And that's interesting. And I always said that the, the solution to the urban challenge in Ireland would be solved by people who worked in a situation where Gaelic games was a minority sport because they would have to devise um, methodologies of of, in, of growth to promote growth. But it seemed to me that it had gone to a stage where somebody had to speak up and say, really, we should be doing something about unity. So I went, we agreed that we would talk to the CEOs and Uktaran uh, of the other two bodies. And uh, we went as far as visiting each other's um, central councils. Uh, interestingly, we went, I first took Mogi. Second meeting was uh, Camogie and Ladies Football were to come to our Central Council. Uh, Ladies Football didn't turn up. That should have been the first red flag, but we said there were probably reasons. Okay. Then we went to a Central Council meeting of Ladies Football in Tullamore. Probably the most difficult and fractious meeting I, intend, I attended in my entire GA life. And that's a big statement. Right. Um, <laughs> that's a, in anyone's GA life, that's a big yeah. statement. We've all been to fractious yeah. GA meetings. Yeah, it was, yeah. We were blown out of the water, really. There were people lined up to take us on. We got support from significant people. I will never forget it to uh, Michael Ryan from Watford, who was a great promoter of ladies football with his club and his county, and was a hurling manager in Westmeath and a number of other counties, if you know the man I'm talking mm. about. Yeah, he, he, he managed Waterford as well at one did, stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he actually stood up for us. Porik and I were taking a fair hammering at the meeting and we were accused of trying to take over ladies football. And the next president was of the organization was very unfriendly. And significantly, one lady, she could only have been in her mid-20s, stood up and made an impassioned piece, uh, speech about that they weren't going to be sort of taken over after suffering 40 years of hurt. And she was only 26, so how she figured out she got 40 years of hurt into that, I don't know. But eventually it became very obvious we were going nowhere. And it fizzled out, quite frankly. Uh, we were told at the time to take 10 years. Significantly enough now, we're facing into the 10th year of that with nothing done. And we've been making noises about saying things are improving and all the language used in the 10 years or so since we first suggested this has been about kind of implying isn't it grand or it's improving and yet it's not and the ladies players Pomogi and ladies are coming out now quite openly and saying that they deserve equality mm. we always wanted them to have it that's 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 the irony of it yeah the the one thing we do have, Rory, I suppose, to an ex that has come in the last decade or uh, thereabouts is, is the one club model, which at a local level in a lot of places seems to work. How how does it work for yourselves up in Donabate? From our point of view, hmm. it absolutely works perfectly. I mean, we've all like since we brought it in. Um, it came in a couple of years before I took over as chair. And um, it's 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 like 
the, boys and girls pay the same membership. They're members of the same club. Why they wouldn't have access to the same facilities, the same level of coaching, the same level of competition, the same levels of facilities that we can make available to them. I mean, like I, sometimes I get a little bit frustrated at this notion of inequality. I don't see it at ground level in my club. And I wouldn't stand for it either. I think um, it's, uh, to my mind, it isn't an issue of inequality when it comes to when it comes to what's happening at ground level. I think the inequality may may come further up the food chain when you are looking to try and get access to facilities and different types of um, support structures that only the the GAA really can deliver on. Um, I think the GAA have access. They own all the grounds and they own all the pitches. I mean, the situation we saw, for instance, in the women's football semifinals a couple of years ago where Cork and Galway were told they were playing in Parnell Park and then on the morning of the game, the game was shifted to Croke Park. I mean, those types of situations, we've seen it actually with dual players where Cork have been put under pressure in different scenarios whereby... The Camogie, like they have a, quite a number of dual players, Hannah Looney, um, there's uh, Reach Corkery, a, a load of girls who were kind of struggling because they were obviously being pulled by both organizations who were putting their fixtures on at the same time. I think if you if everything comes under the one umbrella, that problem doesn't, you know, become as much of an issue. So I think the issue really isn't at ground level, as far as I can see. Not every club is operating the one club model. I think most clubs, if they had any cop on, I mean, look, most people will tell you if you want to grow your membership and if you want to grow your club, grow your brand and grow your ability to really immerse yourself into a community, the really untapped um, growth market is the female one. So that makes it makes absolute sense from any organization to, to, tr to really try and go after that because it's they're 50 percent of the population. You know, mm -hmm. so I think from 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 a club point of view, I haven't I, I don't feel it's as much of an issue, but I can't speak for every single club in the country. Yeah, Liam, to, to people maybe outside, they'd look at the, the success of the, the one club initiative and say, well, this should crack it because, you know, if you want to if you want to make change in any organization, it's it's from the ground up. Um, so first of all, how would you assess the success of of the one club kind of initiative? Um, in terms of what it, exactly what it is, a, a local, a, 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 it's, a, it's a local action, but then also maybe explain why you don't think it's had more of an impact at the upper echelons of the, of the organizations. Because the, uh, first of all, the upper echelons, the organization, certainly in ladies football didn't want it. So that, that, that has changed a bit and that's great. Um, the difficulty about the, in Rory's club there, the, um, the one club model is possible, possibly because he has a big enough population base yeah to field single teams on their own the whole way up. That's true. Yeah. Also, you said that the underage play the same membership. Do the adult males and females pay the same membership? Yes. Okay. Yep. But it costs more to affiliate to ladies football and Camogie than it does to the GA. You, you, this is a minefield, which I'm happy to get into, Liam. Yeah. But, but, it's, it's, a, it's, but it's, a real, it's a real bone of contention for clubs, that, that, that particular point. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And that's just... That is really to sustain three organizations. Correct. 
Yeah. We got hit with a levy this year, Liam. We were hit with a levy. Every club was hit with a levy of 250 euro from the LGFA. We still don't really know what it was for. We were kind of told that it was to cater for insurance or something along those lines. Look, we paid it, obviously. But I just thought it was a bit bizarre, you know, Camogie, we, 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 we've subsequently now entered, we're, we're now part of the Camogie Association as well because we've, we've started Camogie in the underage ranks. This is, this is an organization in its infancy and they weren't looking for any levy. So I was just, I was curious on that, that every club was hit with, being hit with this same levy now. Yeah. And um, I suggested to the leaders of the other organizations that if we weren't prepared to unite, how could we in old conscience face people like you on the ground and say, hey, you should unite, but we're not going to. And that, that, that was always bizarre to me, but the cost factor is significant. And the fact that a, a, a woman, female, wants to play, wants to be a member of our GA club, also wants to play ladies football and maybe handball, she would pay three memberships. Yep. 100, if it was 50, say, average uh, for each of them, she would pay 150, whereas I would pay 50. Not sustainable, really, uh, and and no need for it. Uh, but the difficult there is another side to it, and that's uh, in in a county like Leash, where we haven't many clubs anyway who can field single teams from under six to adult without joining with other clubs to form independent teams at underage level. There are complications there, but there are also complications where there was a ladies' football club or indeed a camogie club. And we've had a good few Camogie clubs uh, set up in Leash over the last five years. Thankfully, it's it's the numbers playing have increased dramatically. But you might have a club based on saying Camogie on a hurling club, but would be feeding from the, fee, the, 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 the female membership of three or four other hurling clubs to have enough to feed teams. Mm. Now, the one club model is not is is a more complicated it's not impossible nothing is impossible um but it's a more complicated structure than yeah. it would be in your club yeah. because to whom does the female correct be? yeah yeah and that can be overcome you see we could have a basic ga membership yeah and then a further top up to be associated with your club to vote at an agm because you can only vote at one g at, at one agm um unless you paid it for membership to each one. So that's a little bit more complicated outside of the big urban areas than it is in the urban areas. But that's not an excuse. Um, significantly now, um, Mary McLeese has been asked to chair this um, group that are going to, she's, she is the independent chairperson of the process. <clears throat> she asked me about it uh, when I made the offer and said, what's the problem? And I said, people see more problems than solutions. And she just said to me, as a person who was sitting beside me making conversation, um, she said, but we have the brightest young people in the world. We have excellent uh, people who are excellent in business. We have a great ideas pool. Surely, she said, it's not beyond our collective ability to find a solution to this. And I said, you are 100% right. So it was with great pleasure that I heard of her appointment because she sees the possibilities, not the difficulties, and always did. And I think that was a trademark of her presidency. She saw possibilities. And this, what, what's, what's her terms of reference going to be? I don't know that because it's only announced. And, you know, I'm gone since 2015. 
um, and I do get the bulletins, but the bulletins just announced it. And I'm not, I'm not directly involved in GEA leadership committees at the moment. I do leadership courses and club planning for the GEA, but I'm actually sitting on the resource management team, which is the equivalent of Kostjabanishti at Komogi as a guest. And I'm delighted to do that. So, because I've seen a different perspective. Um, but really, and I've said it to Komogi, Komogi should always have looked to join us, not necessarily as a three-pronged uh, unity, but they should have joined the GA because mm. there was more willingness in Komogi uh, to join um, yeah. at that time. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously conscious we have a, a former GA president here and we don't have a former LGFA president with us. So I, I, I'll play devil's advocate, I suppose, and just, you know, from the LGFA's point of view, they are, they are as as far as I can see, at a national level, from a, a media standpoint, which would obviously be one I'd be quite familiar with. Um, they're pretty successfully run. They've got a you know national broadcast deal. They've got good sponsors, good advertising campaigns. Um, underage uh, club level seems to be really well run. They seem like their participation numbers are huge. So they see you know, the big bad beast from Crow Park hovering over them, looking to to absorb them, you know, why should why should they make that deal? I suppose, Liam, is the question, you know, you get it from the outside for somebody who has no skin in the game. You can kind of say, why would a smaller sporting organization want to be, you know, taken on by another one and kind of just become, you know, kind of a department of a bigger organization? I guess so, that's yeah. probably where their issue comes from, is it? But Mikey, just before Liam comes in, one thing I would say, they still have little or no facilities of their own or rights to any of those. That's the big thing for me, is that if they were to come in under one umbrella, the GA is a social democracy, they would automatically be entitled to access rights to all the facilities. They wouldn't have to go to Croke Park and say, can we play our matches on the third Sunday in September or the third Sunday in August? It would just be a given. Sorry, Liam. Yeah, that's and that's a fair enough point. And um, yes, they would be entitled to 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 the to the property. And quite frankly, people talk about pitches being overused. As I drove around the country during my presidency, and I still keep an eye out, there are an awful lot of pitches underused at the moment. And that's that's something we have to sort of face up to. Um, why would they join? We didn't suggest really that they should join. We actually made the offer to them if they wished to join. And that was the that was the way it was put, because you can't force a marriage. Uh, you know, you have to kind of people have to want to do it. Um, and why would they do it? They do it because if in your club, Rory, I bet your children play the go games and boys and girls up to the age of 11. Yeah, together. Now, the good thing from the wider GEA family point of view is and will be with Komogi with you from now on is that we actually already trained the girls up as far as 11. Mm. And the ladies' skilly football and Komogi, in places where the goal games operate up to under 11, 12, they're handed a cohort of players who are already well on the way to being skillful and to being proficient in the, in, the, in, the, in the skills needed for the games. So that's working already. But a lot of that is the reason for the success. And nobody begrudges that. Absolutely nobody, because the modern family, unlike the family in which I was reared, the modern family wants the boy and girl treated equally and yeah. wants to bring them to the one venue. And the reason you have the numbers you have 
up as far as under 12 is because you look after the girls as well as the boys and it's not rocket science that's in in a in a modern urban family people expect that they don't need to be driving around twice and three times they go to the one venue they're all looked after and that's why so if it works at that level why wouldn't it work beyond that mm. the answer is of course it would now would there be fixtures difficulties would there be awkwardnesses around access to pitches yes there might be but that exists as it is but yeah. this unity would provide the means by which that could be solved mm. the that to an extent and this is probably true with some members of the Camogie association uh, as well i would imagine at the administration level kind of wondering about you know kind of their power being denuded or mm -hmm. diluted or administrations being thrown up in the air and reconfigured was that ever an issue within the GAA? Because obviously the makeup of management committee, central council, even Congress, it would have to be split three ways. So I'm wondering, you know, the, the old expression, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. Did you ever meet any resistance within the GAA from people who might think that their place on a significant committee or something might be lost to somebody from the LGFA or the Camogie Association? Absolutely. Of course. Of course. That's human nature because the first thing happens when change is mooted most how's, people will say how's it, how's it going to affect me that's exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. how is that going to affect me and if yeah, it affects yeah. me in any way negatively um they they won't support it and that's just that's the reality of life of course there would be there would have been more fear probably in the other two organizations um because uh, the people who had positions there in a one committee situation the, the division by three would affect some of them more, really. And there was a fear on that. But it, yes, it all it also existed on the GA side. And someone told me afterwards, a fairly senior official told me that I was probably lucky they didn't say yes, because he said you would have been faced with the monumental headache of making it work. Now it's going to be done by a process of agreement, and that will make it easier. Um, Liam, could I ask, though, um, when this didn't work in, under your tenure, if I can remember correctly, the GAA, not the LGFA or the Camogie Association, seemed to attract some negative publicity around the fact that like, it was nearly, you know, because the GAA nearly gets blamed for everything anyway, and that it was the GAA's fault for not making it work. Is there an element of... Um, I mean, don't want to be using the term like a patsy, but like by putting somebody of the profile and stature of Mary McAleese front and centre, and then if it doesn't work for the GA to say, well, look, look what we tried to, look what we got on board. And if she can't make it work, well, then, you know, there you go. Yeah, I'm, that's the other reason I'm really, appoint, uh, really pleased that Mary McAleese has been appointed because what happened to me was, I became the focus of the negativity for daring to suggest it. And when you want to attack an idea and you don't want to do it, you have to find somebody who's the target. And I became the target. And even after Congress this year, I predicted before Congress, by the way, in another broadcast, another podcast, that I would become the target. So the easy thing is to attack the person. But now that's taken away. And there's an open discussion and people have to come up and give their reasons and negotiate honestly. And my big wish for this push is that people 
do that honestly. Let's lay out the problems. Let's lay out the problems, assess them, and find solutions to them. And it can be done. It has been done in Europe um, spectacularly, and I see no reason why it couldn't be done here. The other difficulty that it could help on is this um, push for equal membership, uh, gender balance. Uh, if we were united organizations, we have two organizations that are entirely female, one male. So it would redress that imbalance. A method would have to be found, though, uh, not necessarily to include, well, you'd have to include everyone, it'd have to be open, it'd have to be fair, but uh, you'd still have to have the right to vote. People still have that, and they have that in Europe. They could have. They could technically have two quarters of their board female if the elections worked out that way, and they're quite open to that. And we we will have to face that. And yes, there will be a lessening of the number of jobs available for people at the level that you know, the, say central council, Kustubanishti, uh, bigger committees in in in, in Croke Park. Um, yeah, we'll have to face that. But you won't. You won't solve this problem without some people, or maybe all of the people involved, swallowing a little and sacrificing a little of what they have for the greater good. Mm. One, 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 sorry, Mikey, I just have one other question because I know it's a big thing. It's a big talking point, we'll say, in my club anyway and across the board, is, is the area around player insurance. Now, as we know, the GAA operates its own insurance scheme in terms of um, medical bills, et cetera, because it became so unwieldy, they decided to take it in-house. And it's, look, it works fine. I think it's 30% of whatever you end up claiming for, and that's fine. And they had to put a cap on it because, as we know, people were taking advantage, okay? Now, my understanding is the LGFA are still going through a broker. So that would then obviously be one. And people might say, oh, that's like boring. Sure, look, they can just come in under the GAA's insurance scheme and that would be sorted. But that then is all of a sudden is a huge extra raft of people that are going to be pulling out of the insurance scheme. Now, obviously, your membership will shift to a central pool, which will offset some of that. But it is a big issue in terms of what Mary McAleese might face, which she may not be appraised of going into it in terms of the intricacies of how this whole thing is going to be managed. Yeah, most people in the GA don't understand our player injury benefit scheme. They don't, no. Uh, it's not an insurance story. It's a, it's a benefit scheme. Yeah, it's a benevolent. We, yeah, yeah. we made two big attempts, one in the 80s, I think, and one after, to get players to pay their own insurance premium. And guess and what? They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah. do it. So yeah. we had to protect them from themselves with the player injury scheme. Now that is administered by a broker, uh, but it is the GA resources. It's administered by a broker to stop people fiddling the scheme for yep. one way of putting it. Because and there were, there was, there was people. There was, I know, I know. The anyways, oh, there were, there yeah, were. Yeah. In 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 my time as Oakdron, or maybe slightly before, there was one club that were systematically um, fiddling the scheme. And they couldn't be punished because there was no, they took the case as far as they could, but they were let off because there was no rule in the book specifically dealing with a club that fiddled the scheme. Yeah. And they got off on the technicality, it, but it, it was bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Classic. Classic. Yeah. GA white collar crime, yeah. I love it. Yeah. But, 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 I, but, I, but I, suppose, I suppose the point I'm making, Liam, is that these are the little... These are, the, these, are the, these are the hurdles that 
people are going to have to jump if this thing becomes reality. Would that be Absolutely. fair? Absolutely. And was it Albert Reynolds said famously, it's the little things trip you up. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are lots of difficulties and there will be, uh, there will be difficulties. There will be some stuff that will be very difficult to iron out. And uh, can I just go back on one thing when you talked about ladies football um, and the performance done? I have huge admiration for what um, Helen O'Rourke has done with ladies football. Absolutely. Uh, brought the profile dramatically up and it's wonderful and it benefits us all. And even though we mightn't have seen to be in agreement on this particular process, I would still admire her hugely and say that she has contributed enormously to the Gaelic Games effort, just in case anybody is in any doubt about that. Now, we don't agree on everything, and I think she made that quite clear. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a different issue. Um, on, on, on the Camogie front, this is one actually, I read an interesting column from former... Tipperary Camogie star Emma Ryan in the in the Examiner, um, and it's a fair question. She said, as you just said, there's going to be lots of little things here and lots of big things. And this is an interesting one. If the Camogie Association becomes part of the GA, will the sport still be called Camogie, or will it become women's hurling because they play hurling, um, but it's called Camogie? It's the name of the association. It's historically the name of the sport. Um, it mightn't be the biggest issue, but at the same time, it is actually a very big issue because we're talking about the actual name of a sport here. And that's that's just one example of a very of like the thousands of little issues that there will be here, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And um I did um a consultative process with uh, I appointed a youth committee in in um in my time as president to see to include the voices of young people. And we visited uh clubs we visited had a team of people doing it um, and we visited third level institutes and the message from most of the players who expressed a view on it they wanted ladies hurling mm -hmm. uh, women's hurling whichever way it was squalid hurling <laughs> yeah the other, the other thing that's that I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, Gaelic football is Gaelic football. Hurling is hurling. Uh, we can accommodate Camogie and ladies football um, uh, easily. That would be the least of our problems if we got that far. And nobody in the United Organization could force those who have played Camogie up to this point to change the name. But it wouldn't be a deal breaker as far as I'd be concerned. Yeah, yeah. Just it's just a nice example, it it, an example. In, in, uh, of of all these little hurdles there are. Um, I suppose, and finally on this issue, um, Liam, um, as a man who, who who gave it his all, how do you fancy Mary's chances here? She's obviously a formidable woman, and she's known as a you know a builder of bridges. She's brought she's brought more disparate uh, groups together than LGFA, CA, and GAA. So, do you think she has a chance? Absolutely, I would uh, have great uh, confidence that she will do it. But she will do it um, by managing to do that, and she is expert at bringing people together. But I hope people embrace this opportunity now openly and honestly and say, yes, this is for our good. Let's see how we can do it. Um, I think it's a wonderful um, compliment to the GEA family that a person of Mary McAleese's status would do this for us. And that's the success of the GEA, that we can get people to do voluntarily for us what you couldn't pay. Uh, money for and have someone of her status willing to do that but I, that's why I wanted to make a point early on she did ask at the time when I tried it she did make the statement surely it's not beyond our collective ability and she's right if we want to do this we can do it yeah and what kind of time frame would you see Liam how long is the piece of string 
Yeah, I'd say it certainly could be done, could be completed in in um, in three years. Wow. Uh, it, you wouldn't have to. It's once you start, it's like when you start breaking down walls or even building walls. It goes quicker as you as you do it. The main thing would be to start, get the ball rolling, and it might even come quicker than that. I think people would be fearful of a quick fix, and I can understand that. But if if we took three years, what about it? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if the end goal is achieved and if little boys and little girls could say, we're going to grow up in organisations that values us equally. Wouldn't that yeah. be a marvellous achievement? Yeah, and no more, no more fixture clashes, no more dual player conundrums. It, 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 would, be, it would be fantastic. Um, well, we have, it, it would be nice to get your opinion, Liam. Obviously, um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the lack of inter-county action has uh, slowed the GA news cycle considerably, but uh, in some ways, unfortunately, the GA is, is still grabbing headlines. And the issue of uh, abuse of referees, physical, verbal, etc., is is rearing its head in Roscommon, Mayo, Kerry, Wexford. Wexford. Um, you know, it's 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 was there always been in Wa- there. Was there something in Waterford, Waterford as well. It's an under twelve match. I think it's it, it's not as if it ever went away, Liam. But it's unfortunately the way these things do, they they tend to flare up. But in one way, is it almost fortunate for them to flare up because it can't be ignored? And this this does seem like this seems like something that the GA really needs to grasp. And to me, as a uh, very polite and never in any trouble junior hurler, I even I would say I think the. Um, the GA rulebook, in some respects, kind of needs to be torn down and rebuilt here because, as with your example of diddle, diddling the insurance fund, like the GA rulebook is constructed in such a way that if something's not in it, it's not in it. And if something has a maximum, you know, penalty, which I think for abusing a referee is 96 weeks or something, that's it. That That's as high as you can go. And for a lot of us now, looking at these stories and the impact that they're having on games administration and the supply of referees, a 96-week ban to me seems like pretty small beer when the actual, you know, kind of the facilitation of games is is at stake here to an extent. Very long question. It was, sorry. I <laughs> okay. turned into a bit of a rant. <laughs> um, first of all, can I say, I really admire the stance taken by Director County Board Chairman Michal yep. Martin. Yeah. Faced the thing honestly and openly and didn't shirk it, didn't try to hide, didn't try to say it's improving or whatever he said. What he said very directly, and I really admire him for that. Our rule book only allows for a 48 week suspension. That's the max you can give, that's across the board. But there is another option. And can I say that in my time as Lancer Chairman, I went further than that over a person who got over a fence, climbed over a fence, and did damage on yeah, the you, surface. You can be I, expelled, can't you? I, okay. I, I, I expelled a man. And um, I said it was a clear message. In fairness, he took it well. He knew he had done wrong. He knew he had misbehaved. He knew it was outrageous. And uh, rather, I took the line that rather than find the club, which is the easy thing to do, and hit the volunteers again, um, I had a policy in Desmond that just you, you, you punish the perpetrator of the offence, whatever the offence is, whether it's on the playing field or off it. And we did that and we expelled him. And in fairness to him, he took it manfully. And uh, and the message I was trying to give was, there's no acceptable, I've said this anyway, but on the field or off, there is no acceptable level of violence. Absolutely not. And whether you push a referee or whether you trip him or whether you hit him, whatever, 
they're all very serious. A person doesn't leave his family and his home and go out to referee a match to do anything other than the best job he or she can do. And I think we have to get that across in society. And the old excuses, the excuses are just that. But I think that because the G is a grassroots organization, because it's a community organization, people will stand by the person and say, ah, well, you know, Rory's a nice man. He's most of the time, he's great, does great work in the club. After sometimes he just loses his head at games. My answer to that is no. The person who, uh, the, the, the part of the Rory who loses his head at the games, that has to be dealt with too. Yep. Nothing, nothing excused. I don't care what voluntary work that person would do at the club. When you step over the line, you 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 must be punished. Now, Michael Martin said it was a societal issue, and it is. It is certainly. There's no doubt about that. But we have to face it. We have to do our bit, and we have to show leadership on it. And I like the idea of them bringing a motion to Congress. It puts it on uh, the agenda, and we really can't expect. I did refereeing for two years myself. Um, I often said that it was the part, the only part of GA at, um, involvement where I got advice every time I went out. <laughs> <laughs> it begs the question, Liam, why only two years? I don't know why that was, because it was challenged at some stage. Um, but the rule is that um, a suspension of more than two years, I think the thinking was um, that it wasn't improved by doing three or four that the next option, and I think when that rule was first thought of, the expulsion was thought of as a more likely um, option than it has become over the years. It's, it's significant. There aren't, um, you know, you don't hear of it very often. No. Do you think, think it should that, be used more often? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Why would any organisation tolerate a person who lets it down? Um, you know, lots of organisations refuse membership. Um, if somebody misbehaves in a golf club, nobody would be surprised at, at them being. Um, uh, happens, happens, all, happens all the time in a golf club. <laughs> it does. It happens it, all yeah. the time in a golf club. <laughs> yeah, like but, they, they throw people out all the time. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, and it's acceptable. But we are, actually, we're an amateur organization. We have to kind of, and I think that an amateur organization should be big enough to say we will be accountable to the highest possible standards, whether that's governance or discipline or whatever. It's a cultural thing though, Liam. I mean, you're trying to shift a culture and when 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 something is as endemic as refereeing abuse as 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 it has become, I mean, we've I tried to bring in a zero tolerance approach in, in our club. I, you know, and but like you're still there's always one or two that you're kind of going, geez, there he is again, like you know, and it, so when you're trying to shift that mindset like that's a very difficult thing to do number one and number two if i could ask you are we, do we educate people enough on the rules i have an awful feeling that a big part of the reason why people give out about referees is the people that are given out actually don't know the rules yeah i'd agree with you 100 and i did suggest at one stage that we should have um a rules test for a person to be allowed back after a suspension for abusing a referee. Yeah. It's hard to implement that sort of thing, but if we had that code in clubs and if we said, you know what, um, uh, Liam, you're not going to be allowed back until you actually learn the rules uh, and do a test on them. It's a bit like if you um, if you have severe motoring offences in some countries, they make you reset the test, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there should be a test. And the person actually should be asked to prove that they know the rule better than the referee, because quite frankly, anybody who abuses a referee doesn't. 
exactly. Do you do you think the GA rulebook in this kind of in this area specifically, and do you, do you think it, it, it's fit for purpose, or do you think there is need for perhaps a special congress or to have a look at oh, at, at the grades of the punishment? Yeah, it's it's fit for purpose if it was implemented. And if the appeals process was such that you couldn't uh, take it on, when you're cited in other sports, um, and that term is used often in rugby, mm. uh, you answer for your for your offence. You're brought into to to account for it. We are slower to do that because the Irish man does not like rules. First of all, and he doesn't like being made keep rules. And I've often said, my brother lived in the continent for a long time, and his attitude to a rule was, uh, oh, God, I must obey that. The Irishman's attitude is, how can I get around that? And that's pandemic <laughs> yeah. in us, and it's back to the cultural and historical thing. But, you know, you're asking me, how could you change the culture? Very easily. Implement the rules. Say the first point is, if you misbehave, you are expelled. Gone. Simple as that. Start doing that. And people will, will cop on pretty quickly. This has not been accepted. But if you don't do it, no amount of sanctimonious talk will make up for the fact that you weren't able or brave enough to say to someone, your behaviour is unacceptable. We don't want you. We don't need you. Leave. Mm -hmm. um, thanks very much, Steve. I actually, I wasn't clear on a question a minute ago. I asked you, why only two years? And you took it as me asking about the maximum ban. I was actually asking, why did you only referee for two years? Oh, <laughs> I only refereed for two years because I got so much helpful advice um, and I was involved in administration and um, uh, I was you know, at an officer at county level and I felt that it was unfair to be on both sides of it, to be refereeing and to be maybe sitting in on discipline decisions as well. And I thought that really you should do one or the other. Yeah. And um, I found just interestingly enough, people often ask you about this, which was the more complicated to referee? Although the rules of hurling are more complicated. Basically, I said that I was perfectly happy refereeing football because if two people or three people clash in football, basically you can point any direction you like <laughs> As long as, as long as you stick with your decision. So, yeah. Yeah, true enough. Um, maybe you're better off for the, the cut and thrust of the committee room and the, uh, yeah, the meeting I think, room. I, I think I escaped um, with, with only having to do two years. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I do, it did give me an understanding of the difficulties referees have because you have to do it sometimes to realise. And um, yeah, of course you made mistakes. You know, of yeah. course I made everyone does uh, but there has to be a sort of uh, an acceptance that's part of the bounce of the game absolutely it is Liam it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you very much um, myself and Rory will be back next week and we do have some Cavan senior football on the television on Saturday evening on RT2 Crush, Crush, Crusher Law versus Gauna Cavan semi-final and yeah should be good like uh, we had the Cavan final last year and it was an absolute oh yeah that was a good great, one. Great, great and, game, and, and great game football what, what time is that on uh, seven o'clock. Right, there won't be seven. a cow milk. There won't be a cow milk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very yeah. much, team, and thank yes, you all for listening. And we'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Goodbye. Crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. Wow. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses!